0: Welcome to What Does This Mean?, a discussion of the Bible passages that Lutherans and many other Christians read in church. This coming Sunday, we'll be exploring the mystery of the language we use to describe God, God's unique unity and diversity and inclusion in the midst of expression. We use big words for that and sometimes new words for that, but we're so glad that you'll be with us. Welcome to What Does This Mean? I'm Pastor Lois Palmeyer.
1: I'm Pastor Javon Swanson. And I'm Pastor Bradley Schmailing.
0: We're the pastors at Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. And for the next few minutes, we're going to discuss the Bible readings that many Christians around the world will be hearing in church this coming Sunday. Looking at the readings early in the week allows us to prepare for worship in a deeper, more reflective way, and we hope it helps you too as you prepare for worship. Often on these podcasts, we've had special guests with us, but rather than having a special guest, we're just going to be talking amongst ourselves. There's a lot of richness in our readings for Sunday, and I think we'll have plenty of material on our own. Our first reading is from Genesis. Pastor Bradley, will you please read for us?
1: Sure, and we should probably say just up front, this is an entire chapter of Genesis, actually a chapter and a few extra verses there are two creation stories at the beginning of the Bible, and this is the first one. And it's, it's probably the most majestic creation story. So as I read the story today, since it's a little bit longer, I invite you just to, to take a deep breath and let yourself be captured by this story. Notice the metaphor, the language, the movement of the story and ask yourself what it may be telling you about who God is and how God is in relationship to the earth and all created living things, even the creepy crawly things. So, all right, here we go. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky. And there was evening and there was morning. The second day. And God said, Let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth put forth vegetation plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And the stars God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of the every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created.
0: Thank you. So many images, so much richness in that text. Thank you, Pastor Bradley.
1: It's really beautiful just to read that. I almost want to say to everyone, just sit down and read it out loud because it's so poetic. And it's clear when you read it that it was written not as a historical exercise, but almost as a matter of poetry and art, just the way it flows and the the repetition of phrases and the almost like the liturgical response. And it was good. And there was evening and there was morning. It's like I don't know, it sings. Like, you can see why so much of this gets set to music and why we've been captured by it. And I think it's too bad that people have tried to take this literally and make it into a scientific account because you just miss the beauty and the power of the poetry.
2: As I was hearing it today, I was thinking about how Most scholars think this was written and that the Bible was compiled during the Babylonian exile when the people of Israel, the um, Jewish people, had been conquered and carried off away from their land and life was really bad. (laughs) It was chaotic. They felt like they had been abandoned by their God and they were trying to make sense of everything. And so to think that they wrote this creation story in the midst of that experience of exile, Um, as if to say there, you know, there is something comforting in this repetition of, and on the second day, and on the third day, and God saw that it was good, and there was evening and morning. There's something really beautiful about that. And Pastor Bradley, when you said it's sort of like liturgy, I was remembering too, in seminary, we read one scholar who said, Liturgy is really pastoral care in that when you come together and have an experience of doing the same thing week after week after week, that there's actually something comforting in that. And that's how this passage strikes me
0: and i feel like it was pastoral care too like you're saying pastor uh, javen in in the captivity they were hearing the babylonian myths of creation and there the there was a lot of violence and there was a lot of um destructiveness the purpose of creation was to punish some and to you know bring honor to some others and so on and this creation story says no, from the very beginning it was created as a loving, purposeful way of God expressing love to the earth and and delighting in it that each thing is good and very good. That God's not not creating things out of a violent competition or something, but out of a way of giving life to to others. That that's part of who God is is to make life happen for for others.
2: I remember one of the Babylonian creation myths talks about the god battling the sea monster, and our creation story has God creating the sea monsters, which we sort of just pass over that, or maybe we think, maybe they're talking about whales or something. Um, But I actually think this was a way of the Israelites saying, our God, from the very beginning, has been in charge of everything, even the sea monsters that the Babylonians' God Gods weren't able to, (laughs) um, you know, to defeat.
0: Last week, Eric asked us a question about spirit, and um, this verse actually came to mind the very first verse of scripture, or the second, where it says, um, The earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Wind, again, could mean spirit. So, Eric, if you're listening, it's still being described here that that spirit was with God somehow in the beginning, breathing, you know, hovering, swi- swishing over the face of the waters. I love that image.
1: One of the books I read in seminary that what really shaped me as a thinker, as a follower, was Matthew Fox's book, Original Blessing, which at the time was controversial and looked down upon by many theologians and what he was trying to do is refocus the tradition from the notion of original sin to a notion of original blessing and to say that this original blessing is as much part of our history if not more so than the story of brokenness and sin which comes in the the second chapter. And I think so many people have a sense that deep down there's something broken or wrong or bad within them. And unfortunately, the tradition has confirmed that over time, you know, by reminding us that we're sinners. But here in this story, the reminder is that we're in the image of God and that deep within us. And maybe stronger than the sinfulness is this sense of of blessing and being made by God, that when God looks on the creation, even now and on us, the response is, oh, it's good. It's good. It's not, oh, this is yucky. This is bad.
0: Maybe that's a great place for us to move on to the next reading.
2: Welcome back. Our second reading for today is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 11 through 13. Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, farewell. Put things in order. Listen to my appeal. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. And also with you. I was gonna say, if we were reading this on Sunday morning in church, it's kind of sad that we won't be together because this is one of those that when the lecture gets done reading it, everyone would say, and also with you just knee jerk. <laughs>
0: But then if we were all together, we'd have that greet one another with a holy kiss and we'd all say, "Ooh, I don't think I can right now.
1: <laughs> you know, I, that actually leaped out at me for that reason now, you know, too. But I also I just watched PBS had a documentary on the Vatican, which is kind of this unprecedented year long glimpse of the Vatican at work and it primarily leads up to the celebration of Easter. And it's just kind of fun to see all the the choir rehearsed, the cantor rehearsing to sing the exalted and the preparations in the space and all of that. But they showed uh, Pope Francis doing his annual Holy Thursday visit to a prison and he goes, he, sometimes he goes to a hospital. He always ventures out of the Vatican and goes to someplace where his staff doesn't really want him to go. But he wa- he went to a prison and had, I think half the prisoners were Muslim and he washes their feet and each time he kisses their feet. And I just wept watching that because that gesture was so filled with love. And to me, that is the holy kiss. You know, Um, it it was beautiful. So maybe when we come back, instead of, you know, kissing our cheeks, we just kiss each other's feet.
0: I'd like that.
2: (laughs) For some reason, what I was thinking about was sharing the peace in church on Sundays during normal times and thinking about how We sort of use that moment in worship just to say hello to our neighbors, you know, just to kind of greet them. But here, Paul is finishing a letter to the Corinthians that has been a tough letter. He ends it with this appeal to peace and the holy kiss. And it sort of reminded me that the purpose of sharing the peace and the holy kiss is sort of a, it's an opportunity to reconcile ourselves if we've hurt one another or if we have if we need to ask or seek forgiveness, that that's actually, I mean, liturgically, it really does kind of just turn into a handshake and a greeting, but what it signifies is an opportunity for us to seek reconciliation with one another before we approach the table and share a feast together, which I think is just such a lovely... Image And partly that's the image I get from this reading is Paul's just said some really hard things. And now it ends with all the saints greet you greet one another with a kiss.
0: We should mention that these readings are chosen for Holy Trinity Sunday. Um, I referred to some of the the mystery of that doctrine at the beginning of the podcast, but I forgot to say, this is Trinity Sunday, in which we really um, look at a church doctrine um, as our focus, which is very different than most of the Sundays of the church year. Sometimes we get really hung up on, oh, okay, so Pastor Bradley read the creation story, that must be God the Father. And then I guess the second reading will be God the Spirit, and then the third reading will probably be about Jesus, God the Son. But actually, all three readings talk about the action of God being diverse and unified at the same time. Maybe that's a place that we can take a pause. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Our Gospel reading for Sunday is Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you and remember I am with you always to the end of the age so again I think sometimes we try and break God into three pieces and saying oh this one's about Jesus and I don't think Jesus gives us permission to do that. This is one of the only times we hear this phrase in the New Testament, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And it's connected with baptism. Um, we build a whole theology and all kinds of doctrine about what the Trinity is based on this. Um, but we, there's a lot of mystery involved in that. But again, I think there's something from the early church about understanding that there was a way to experience God as triune, whatever that might mean, but that there was some kind of understanding of God being three in, in one, that gave them purpose. That's the part that I think it really relates to. It's not about, you better understand exactly what this doctrine means, because I don't think anybody really does, but that it's something about it that gives us purpose or energy or direction for how we're supposed to carry on now. What what happens? What do we do if Jesus isn't present in our world the way he was in the in Jesus of Nazareth? What does it mean for us to be carrying on this work? And Jesus says, understand that I'm giving you direction I'm giving you purpose I'm giving you a, a mission I was playing an online game with my daughter last night and part of it was choosing these cards and you had to choose them and I just was choosing the ones that I thought oh maybe that'd be a good one yeah that's good and of course she was beating me because I had just kind of a random sense of what card I was picking and she she just kind of hinted at one point after like the third time she had trounced me she said now I'm picking this card because if you notice, and she tried to describe a little bit of the strategy of the game to say you don't have to just pick cards out of the blue. And I think, oh, that's there's supposed to be a strategy. There's a direction. There's a purpose into what I'm doing. It's not just random. And God's saying that to us too. There's actually a purpose to why we share the love of God. It's filled with doubt. It says doubt. And it's filled with this reminder that God is always with us. I love it.
2: That was actually the part that stuck out to me was the, um, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted, you know, it's like, this is the very end of Matthew's gospel, 28 whole chapters. The disciples have been with Jesus. They've been through crucifixion and resurrection. Like by now they should get it, (laughs) you know, like they should be ready to follow. And Jesus is about to send them out to be the one, the ones who carry on his mission, but some doubted, you know, it's like, oh, man, which I guess is hopeful news for all of us who also, in the midst of our attempts to follow, sometimes still doubt. I guess I take heart in that, that even the disciples at this point were still doubting.
1: I was thinking about the power and authority has been you know, given to you. In your example, Pastor Lois, of playing the game, I think that's a wonderful example of what it means to be given power by God. You know, we tend to think of power as power over or the power to win, to be number one, to get ahead. Um, And we certainly live in a context where, our leaders, and I'm not being partisan here, both sides really get focused on how do I get power? How do I have power over the other to enact my will? But in the game, she used her power to tell you how you might win, like to give you like, you might think about, she shared that so that you could you know, be a better player. And I think that's how the power of God works. It's this thing that gets shared so that all of us are able to live into our higher selves. And power is a is a is communal. It it shapes us together.
2: I was noticing today too, the this passage starts with the 11 disciples going to Galilee, which is, of course, where Jesus's ministry began. Galilee was kind of the northern part of Israel and not really, you know, it was sort of the, I always say it was kind of like a backwater region. It was not like important people didn't come from Galilee. I remember reading Chet Meyer's commentary on the Gospel of Mark and of course, Matthew is patterned on the gospel of Mark. And he sort of talked about it as Jesus's ministry starts in Galilee. It goes to the center of power in Jerusalem and it returns to Galilee. And it's almost like now the story begins again. And there's this sense of, I was just thinking about how we sort of travel to the centers of power and confront, <laughs> confront as Christians, we confront power when needed, but then we go to the places where the people are who need to hear the ministry and we we kind of keep that pattern going of going going back and forth between those two worlds and i like that geographically that plays out in the gospels as well
0: maybe that's a great place for us to end as you return to your places of daily life and work i encourage you to remember that god is with you to the end of the age We're interested to hear from you what you think this all means. Drop us a note at pastors at gloriadaysaintpaul.org. We also hope that you would take a chance to rate our podcast, leave a review on whichever service you use. Thank you to our assistant music director, Paul D'Amico Carper, for providing music for us and to Marshall Saunders of Minnesota Podcasting for producing these podcasts for us. Please join us for worship every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. online and on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock as we're gathered on Wednesdays. Thank you so much for being with us today. Know that God is with you, God loves you, and God will provide what you need for today. This
1: has been What Does This Mean?, a podcast created by Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. You can find Gloria Day online at www.gloriadaystpaul.org. This podcast has been produced by Minnesota Podcasting, and they can be found online at www.mnpodcasting.com.